So there was this one time when, when my wife Katie and I were dating that uh, it was around Thanksgiving time. We'd been engaged um, you know, a few weeks at this point. And uh, she had an office party. She worked at this nonprofit uh, helping uh, certain, uh, helping uh, individuals find jobs. And uh, they were having this office party and, and it may have been a Christmas party. It's Christmas party, Thanksgiving party. I don't know. Is it, it, it one of the other workers' houses? And uh, it's the first time, you know, I was meeting any of these people. And so we walk into this house, Katie and I and all these people. And, you know, as any of you have ever been to a party like this or, or, you know, where you don't really, where you don't know no one. It's interesting trying to, you know, develop conversation and, and you have different ideas of trying to figure things out. Well, there was one guy I really wanted to talk to in this party. Uh, Katie worked with a guy who was a former Harlem Globetrotter and his name was Stick. And I really wanted to talk to him. I wanted to, to pick his brain. You know, I loved basketball. Basketball had been, you know, consumed me. I wanted to play it in college and all this stuff. And I think God took me to a different school. Um, but uh, so I found it. I mean, he was obvious. I mean, he was the only guy there over seven feet tall. So I started talking with him and uh, talked to a few other people and met them. And then uh, after talking for a little while, we all went in to eat dinner. And we sat down to eat dinner, and uh, I, I'm let's just line it up. I'm sitting here, and and I think Katie was sitting here, and it's a big rectangular table, and Stick was kind of diagonal from me at the table. And so we're sitting there, and you know I'm thinking, you know I'm at the point I'm a minister, and I'm thinking, okay, what are we gonna do? Are we gonna pray for the food? Are we not gonna pray for the food? You know I don't know if anybody else around the table is a Christian or not. Um, and Stick, uh, not only being you know the tallest one in the room, the biggest guy in the room. Uh, had the biggest personality or one of the biggest personalities. He, he, he looks at me, kind of gives me this little point thing. And he goes, Reverend. And he bows his head like, and, and everybody's kind of looking at each other. And, and he, I mean, we stood there. It felt to me like five minutes, but he, he, he bowed his head. And I'm thinking, okay, well, he wants me to pray. He knows I'm a minister. I'm you know in seminary. And he, he just points said, Reverend. And he bowed his head. So that means pray. So I said, so we all, you know, kind of reached out. We may have taken hands, I don't know, and then we bowed our heads and I prayed. And uh, it, was, it was uncomfortable in, in the sense that I knew no one at the table. And it was first, first moment meeting this Harlem Globetrotter guy and uh, he asked me to pray and I prayed. And um, I took the opportunity as, as became a habit from that point forward that when the opportunity arose, I shared the gospel. So in my prayer, I shared the gospel because, again, I didn't know if anybody around the table, you know, knew the Lord or didn't know Jesus. And so I shared the gospel there in my prayer and said amen, and we went on and ate our food and had conversation and went, went home. And that's always stuck in my mind. I can still picture Stick sitting there saying, Reverend, and bowing his head. And it was like, this is happening right now. We are doing this. Uh, and, and the uncomfortable feeling in the moment uh, subsided once I got into the prayer. Well, we're going to see something here about an individual in Scripture who was very uncomfortable with what God wanted him to do, so much so that he defied God. And so we're going to look at this, the life of this man named Jonah. So if you have your Bible there, go ahead and pull your Bible out. We're going to have it also on the screen below you, uh, and you can check that out there as well. Uh, we're going to look at Jonah. Now, even people who 
you know, aren't familiar with Scripture, know about Jonah, know about his story, at least part of his story. Um, it's even in, you know, movies. I mean, people make pop culture references to Jonah because his story, his situation in this little glimpse we get of his life in this little short book. If you've never read Jonah, I think it's only something like 48 total verses. The whole book is shorter than many chapters in the Bible. And Jonah was a guy, uh, was a man. He was a prophet of God. He was a God follower. He was a prophet. And God came to him one time and, and uh, God gave him a word. Jonah, I want you to go and I want you to preach to the people who live in the city of Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a big-time city. It was a great city. It was huge, but it was also very well-known uh, for being ruthless and terribly, terribly violent. Uh, I mean, people got killed in Nineveh all the time. Uh, the, the rulers of Nineveh executed people in gruesome ways, not just by ancient standards, I mean, I mean, by modern standards, but also by ancient standards. I mean, they were just terrible in, in the level of violence that took place in that city and depravity and terrible things that went on. And, and that was the reputation this city had everywhere. And so God comes to Jonah, his prophet, his man, God's man, and says, I want you to go to Nineveh and tell these people that I will forgive them if they turn to me. Jonah hears this. God says, get up and go to Nineveh. So what does Jonah do? Jonah gets up and he goes, but he doesn't go to Nineveh. He goes down to a seaport, and at the seaport, he buys a ticket for a ship, and he hops on the ship, and they sail in the opposite direction from Nineveh, and they get out on the sea, and, and a storm kicks up, and the storm is massive, and it's rocking the boat. Jonah goes below deck, and he falls asleep, and the storm is going. All the sailors on the ship are, are, are um, panicking. And they're running around and they're praying to all of the fake gods that they know about. Uh, they don't know anything about the one true God, but they know about all these fake, not real gods. So they're praying to all these. They throw all the cargo they can overboard. The captain runs down and wakes Jonah up and says, we are about to die. You need to get up and pray to your God and see if anything happens. And so Jonah gets up, comes up on, on the top of the deck and looks out. And this is a terrible storm, you know. The, the water's coming over the sides. The ship is about to be torn to pieces. And um, Jonah tells all the sailors, guys, uh, I know why this storm is here. My God sent this storm because I'm disobeying him. And Jonah tells him, if you'll take me and you'll throw me over the side of the boat, God will stop this. You see, that Jonah was running away from God, running away from what God wanted him to do. And he tells the guys, throw me over the side of the boat. So the guys didn't want to do it. They didn't want to kill Jonah. They waited a little bit longer. Uh, and ultimately, they ended up tossing Jonah over the side. Jonah hits the water, and the storm stops. Calm water. No more rain. No more lightning. No more thunder. The, the imagery is the clouds part, and everything is calm. Jonah's there in the water. Sailors on the boat. And then a huge fish comes from the depths, gobbles Jonah up, swallows him. Uh, we don't know if he got any teeth marks or if he you know, lost an appendage in getting swallowed. We don't know. All we know is that Jonah was then swallowed by this fish, and he's residing in the fish's belly. For three days, he's inside this fish. Three days 
inside this huge fish and the fish is swimming probably still eating other things probably still doing its fishy business and uh jonah's in there and and the scripture says that jonah began to pray jonah began to call out to god and confess how wrong he was in running away from what god had him to do and so jonah spent three days in the middle in the inside of this fish praying to god and at the end of three days the fish swims uh, close to land, and, and it says it vomited him out. It threw Jonah up. It barfed him out. And there's Jonah now. Wherever he finds it, he's got to walk out and find out where he is, uh, walking around with fish throw up all over him. Hopefully he showered. And then he went to Nineveh. He finally obeyed God, and he goes into Nineveh, and he walks in Nineveh. It says Nineveh was a three days journey from one side to the other. And so Jonah, it says, walks one day's journey into town, and he starts preaching everywhere he goes. You guys are, are not doing what God wants you to do. You turn to God, and you will be saved. If you don't turn to God, this whole place is going to be wrecked. You need to turn to the one true God right now who will offer salvation, the one true God who sits in heaven, whose son will come and uh, bring salvation. So he starts preaching about God's kingdom, God's forgiveness if they would repent. And this message spreads all over the city, all over the city, both uh, the lowest in their culture to the highest. The king hears about it. And it says the king put on uh, sackcloth and set on ashes. That was a sign of, uh, uh, of humility. And he issued an order that everyone needed to fast in, in Nineveh. Everyone needed to turn to the one true God and follow after Jonah's teaching. And so uh, they repented, and the scripture says that God forgave them. God relented from the destruction that was going to come on them. And so we hear this story of Jonah, and then Jonah goes off, and he complains to God ultimately in Jonah chapter 4. He complains that God forgave the Ninevites. He knew, he says, God, I knew you were going to forgive them. That's why I didn't want to go. God, I, I didn't want you to forgive them because they are bad people. And God said, I can forgive whoever I want to forgive. Anybody turns to me, I can forgive them. I forgave you, Jonah, in the belly of the fish. I can forgive the Ninevites. And so we see Jonah, we hear this story, but what's interesting, as we've looked in this behind-the-scenes series thus far, we've seen things that the, in, that the guys have done, that the people have done. David uh, uh, was praising God in the field. He had followed God in the field, and that followed him onto the battlefield. Daniel lived a life of prayer. He was faithful in prayer when he was 18 and faithful in prayer when he was 85. And that brought about a, an impossible situation, uh, brought him through an impossible situation when he was 18 and uh, 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 through an impossible situation with lions when he was 85. Well, here, the situation, the behind the scenes of Jonah have nothing to do with something Jonah did right. Uh, I mean, ultimately, Jonah turned back to God, but initially, Jonah walked away from him. Um, Jonah chapter 1, uh, verse 1. Well, you know what? Before we even get there, you know, when Jonah prayed in the belly of uh, the, the fish, it was a very uncomfortable situation, uncomfortable place to be, and yet he still prayed. That uncomfortable prayer, he still prayed. And so that's the title of this message, is belly prayers, belly prayers, prayers that we pray in uncomfortable situations that God can still do great things through. So let's look at Jonah chapter 1, uh, starting in verse 1. 
Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, uh, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee from Tarshish, from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Now look at that, verse 3, but Jonah. God said in verse 2, arise, go to Nineveh. And then in verse 3 it says, but Jonah. You see, God gave Jonah specific instructions, but Jonah did not want to follow God's instruction because he was uncomfortable with he was uncomfortable with what he assumed would be the outcome. He assumed God was going to forgive him, and he was uncomfortable with that fact. He didn't want to have to deal with forgiven Ninevites. He didn't want to have to live in a world with forgiven Ninevites. He, was, he didn't like it, so he didn't want to obey God. He was uncomfortable with it, so he left. Look at that verse right there. It says he went away from the presence of the Lord. He went away from the presence of the Lord. He bought a ticket out of God's presence. Physically, it was probably over 2,000 miles to where he was going, where he bought a ticket to from where he was. That's a long way. That's, that's about as, it was about as far as you could go. And so he, he's, he walked up to the ticket counter and says, what's the farthest place you can get me? And they said, Tarshish. So he says, okay, fine. And he buys a ticket there to get away from the presence of God. His discomfort with God's planned future for him and the Ninevites and his lack of control over what God was allowing to happen brought, bought him a one-way ticket out of God's presence. You see, Jonah chose not to trust God. He was uncomfortable with the situation. He was uncomfortable with the fact that he couldn't control what God was going to do. He couldn't control whether or not the, the Ninevites would respond the way they ultimately would. He couldn't control any of that, and so he walked away. He, he, he walked into something that he could control, and he, he bought a ticket out of God's presence. His actions, yes, he physically bought a ticket, but his actions bought him a spiritual ticket out of God's presence. Look at verse uh, four. So Jonah's on the boat, says, But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. So Jonah <laughs> buys a ticket away from God to get away from God as far as he can. He'd, he wanted to get away from God's plan. Uh, didn't like the, the possibility of what could be, and so he was running. But just because Jonah chose to leave God didn't mean that God chose to leave him. Look at that verse. The Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. The Lord hurled. God did this. God put a storm in Jonah's way. God put a storm out there. Jonah tried to run away from God, and God sent a storm after Jonah. God wasn't going to leave Jonah alone. God wasn't going to leave Jonah out there flailing about doing his own thing. God was going to be with him even in the storm he experienced. It may have been scary. It may have been life-threatening to those around Jonah. But God sent it to help bring Jonah to a place that he needed to be. 
God did not leave Jonah, even though Jonah tried to leave God. Look at verse 17. Uh, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So again, notice that though Jonah chose to ignore God, God did not ignore Jonah. God was not going to leave him alone. See, God sent a storm. God now sent a fish to swallow up Jonah. And the belly of the fish was uncomfortable. The belly of the fish is, is, is isolating. It, it's confining. I mean, imagine that, right? Being inside the belly of a fish. Uh, I mean, fish don't smell good on the outside. Imagine how what they smell like on the inside. Not just on the inside, but on, you are on the inside. You know, it's isolating. It's, it's, it's confining. It's dark. It's uncomfortable. And in the middle of that, Jonah in the fish has an opportunity. He has an opportunity. You see, the belly of the fish is not a fun place to be, but it is a good place to grow. The belly of the fish is not a fun place to be, but it is a good place to grow. It's a good place for growth, to gain Growth in the isolation, in the discomfort, God can grow us if we follow him, if we turn to him. Jonah is there, and he is in this confinement for an opportunity for growth. Jonah ran because of discomfort, and then God used discomfort to bring spiritual recalibration, to bring spiritual recalibration to kind of set him back where he needed to be. God used that discomfort. God used that uncomfortable moment to bring him back, to recalibrate him, to reset his spiritual wires so that he could do everything that he needed to do for God's cause, God's kingdom, God's purpose. Look at Jonah chapter Two. Jonah's in the fish. This is what happens. Jonah chapter 2. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, that's the grave, I cried, and you heard my voice. So Jonah is there in the fish, in the belly of the fish, and he prays. He cries out to God. See, Jonah turned to God. After turning away from God, Jonah turned to God and found that he had been there the whole time. Jonah had turned from God, had run from God. It said that Jonah uh, uh, ran from the presence of the Lord. And here, he turns to God, having been through the storm, being in the middle of the isolating, confining fish, and he finds that God has been with him the entire time. Time And that's the same for us. No matter where we run to, no matter how far we go, that when you turn to God, you will find that he has been there the whole time. When you turn to God, you will find that he has been there the whole time. He's already been there with you the entire experience. He's with you there in the fish, in the storm. God has been there the whole time. He didn't leave you. He didn't forsake you. He didn't leave you out on your own. In the Psalms, it says something very similar to this. The psalmist writes about God's presence and how God is with us even in uh, the farthest reaches of where we may go. In Psalm 139, look at verse 1. 
O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. And I love that last phrase. Look at that last phrase. You are acquainted with all my ways. You know all of my ways. And because you know all my ways, God, you, you are already there with me. God knew Jonah's ways. God knew Jonah's habits. God knew Jonah and what he was going to decide and where he was going to go and the fact that he was in the fish. God knew Jonah was going to go there. And so God was already there with Jonah before Jonah even got there. You have known all my ways. You are acquainted with all my ways. Jump down to verse 7. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, the grave, you are there. If I take on the wings of the morning, and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. So wherever I go, you are already there. Wherever I go, you are there with me. Whatever I do, whatever I I try to accomplish, you are already there. Even if I'm running from you, God, you're already there. Even if I go to the farthest depths of the sea, you're there. If I find myself in a, in a situation in life that is so terrible and, and so difficult, you are still there with me. If I find myself quarantined and isolated in my house with a global pandemic rampaging all over the place and all, only uh, a terrible news bombards my television and bombards my cell phone, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. God is with us wherever we are, wherever we may find ourselves. And so this is the very reason that God tells uh, uh, Joshua uh, in Joshua chapter uh, 1, verse 9. God tells Joshua, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be, ter- do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Wherever you go. Wherever you go. No matter how far you run, no matter how far you go, God is with you. Here's Joshua. Joshua, man, he's in his 80s, leading the nation, having only uh, he was a slave, and then he escaped slavery, and then he's out there with under serving under Moses. And uh, he's entering into something he's never done before, something he's never experienced before. And God comes to him and says, in this uncomfortable moment, in this difficult situation, be strong, be courageous. I am with you. I am with you. And that's something God says to us. You see, see, I am not alone. You are not alone. God is with me. God is with you. God is with us. God is with us. Even if we choose not to be with God, He is still with us. He may not endorse what we're doing. He may not endorse the lifestyle choices we're making, but His presence is still there waiting for the very moment that we turn to Him so that we don't, when we turn back to God, we don't have to run some great distance because He's right next to us the entire time. All we have to do is turn to Him. All we have to do is turn to Him. Even in the belly of a fish, We can turn to him, and he will provide everything we need if we simply 
turn to him. I am not alone. You are not alone. Wherever I am, however I am, however I feel, whatever decisions I have made, God is with me. And whatever decisions you made this morning or last night or this weekend or in the past that continue to haunt you and continue to be brought up to you by somebody else, no matter what the decisions are, God is with you. You are never too far gone to be brought back. No one is ever too lost to be found by God. You are never too lost. God can always find you. He can always get you. God is with you. You are not alone. You are never too far gone. No matter how many voices are whispering in your head, no matter how many times somebody is texting you or messaging you and they're saying certain things and bringing up issues of your past, no matter how often that happens or, or uh, the enemy whispering those, those whisperings in the darkness of the night as we're lying in bed and we can't get sleep, God is with you even there. God is with you anywhere. And everywhere, you are never too far gone for God to bring you where he wants you to be. Never too far gone to reach out and grab him because he's right there with you the whole time. You see, and that's just it. I can, I can see all of these things and, and see Jonah running from the presence of God. That gets me every time. He, he bought a ticket physically, but also spiritually, out of the presence of God. And then he found that God never left him. He tried to get away from God's presence, and he couldn't because God's presence was always there. And that's just it. God is always, God is always with me. God is always with me. God is always with me. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. He will never uh, uh, run away from me. God is is always with me, always with me. And so the question you have to ask yourself today is that as you find yourself wherever you are, whether you're in the midst of a storm, whether you, you have run from God, you've been running for God some 2,000 spiritual miles and you're out there in the middle of nowhere and the storm is raging, maybe you're already in the belly of the fish, maybe you're just now buying your ticket and you don't even realize that you're buying the ticket to get out of God's presence, you don't even realize what you're doing, it's just the uncomfortable nature of your situation and your, your loss of control and you're wanting to gain control, that you're buying a ticket out of God's presence and you don't even realize it yet, but God is still there. All you have to do, all, you have to do is turn to him. You see, Jonah turned to God. Jonah did. Jonah turned to God. But God was there. Jonah turned to God because God was already there. Jonah was able to turn to God because God was already there. And that's the same with you. God is already there. God is with you. Right there in your living room, in your bedroom, wherever you're, in your bathroom, wherever you, let's be real, wherever you're watching this, God is is with you. He's always with you. And so you have to decide, will you turn to him now? Will you turn to him now, right there in your situation? Will you turn to God? Will you turn to God? Maybe, maybe you need to turn to God for the very first time. Maybe you've been running from God for a while and, and, and you need to turn to him for the very first time and believe in Jesus that he is God's son, that he died so all your sins would be forgiven, 
And then he rose from the dead so that you can live after you die and then you now can turn to him and find the peace and find the comfort and, and find the disillusion of your anxiety in his presence, in his hand. Will you turn to Jesus today? He's right there with you. He's been with you the whole time. He will never leave you. He's with you now. Will you turn to him? Maybe you've, you've turned to him in the past. Maybe you believe in Jesus and you've just been running. Maybe you've been running a little bit here and there. Maybe in the morning when your alarm goes off, you run from him because you want more sleep and it's uncomfortable to get out of bed and spend time with him. It's uncomfortable to, to disrupt your sleep patterns or, or your lifestyle to spend time with him. But you need to turn to him even there. Maybe you believed in Jesus a long time ago and you've made decisions throughout your life that have not been great. And you feel like they have not been great. And your mom has told you they've not been great. And you need to turn to Jesus now. No matter what somebody's going to say, you don't even think about what somebody else is going to say about this. Turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. Listen to Jesus. He's there with you in the storm, in the fish. Turn to Jesus now. Turn to him. Put it in the comment section. I'm turning to Jesus. I'm turning to Jesus. If you're turning to him for the first time, click on that link or that button below me. It says, uh, uh, I want to make a decision. I'm making a decision. Maybe you, you need to believe in Jesus for the first time. Click on that link. No, we'll put it in the comment section. We'll get back with you. But click on that link and let us know. Are you, you're making a decision about something else. Put it, click on that link or that button and tell us what that decision is. Or, or, or you have a story about turning back to Jesus and what that's done for you. Click on that link. There's a button there. There's a link there that says, I, uh, I want to tell my story, share my story. Click on that and tell us the story of all that Jesus has done for you. Turn to him today.